The Tumbling Saber podcast is powered by our powerful friends. Become a powerful friend for just a couple dollars per month and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, random prize draws, contests, newsletters, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Welcome back to episode 120 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. My name is Kyle. My name is Corey. And my name is Carlos. Welcome back, one and all. Happy Easter. Hope you guys had a great Easter weekend. And now we're back talking about uh, the galaxy far, far away. Glad to have you with us. Guys, everything going well in your end? <laughs> do I do I dare ask? Oh, Easter weekend, you know, busy. Lots of stuff going on. It's a beautiful day for a drive today. Nice and uh, nice and frisky. Chilly wind today. It, feels, it felt like a, like a November, a cold November day. Exactly. That's exactly what it looked like with all the, because there's still some leaves blowing around. Yes, it's, it was ugly. Anyway, let's let's talk about nice things. Solo, 51 days away? Yes, yeah, it's, it's next month. We can say that. We can now say the Solo movie is next month. That's awesome. We gotta start ramping up the marketing campaign, man. Like something, like seriously. I mean, I've been saying this for the past month. Like, can we just get like a little something? Well, Ron Howard's been—he's been at it. He's been, uh, you know, tweeting quite a bit recently. He tweeted again today. This is Sunday. He's tweeted again that uh, you know, the, the final edits pretty much come together, and he's—he's—they're just reviewing the effects, the final effects shots, uh, cutting in the music. Somebody had tweeted him saying, "Hey, can we get another trailer? Is that coming?" And he said, he, "All he said was, yep." So we do have <laughs> we do have another trailer to look forward to, and I, I'm guessing that's gonna be in and around Infinity War, which again, that's that's this month. Talking about cool movies that are coming out shortly, Infinity War is this month. That's fantastic. So I would I would guess a trailer is coming for that. Uh will will be attached to Infinity War, which will be a lot of fun. Just another reason to get out and go see that. Um Quickly, just uh, I want to say thank you to Jeff, the Metal Mando, for for uh, putting a shot in the arm to his Patreon pledge. Appreciate that very much, sir. And congrats again to Ads, the generous soul he is, uh, for the, the the win on the Jaina Solo Black Series figure. Uh, Ads reached out to me later, and uh, well, more de- more developments on that as it comes. But Ads, you're you're a good man, sir. All right, so do we have any collecting updates this week? Uh, that sounds like, shame that again, sounds like a no. Feel shame. <laughs> it's okay, Corey. Don't worry about it, man. Just give me a minute. <laughs> give give Corey a minute. He's going to go run to the store and pick up something. No, actually, well, actually, I did get the the Last Jedi, uh, the Walmart exclusive with like the six photos and the interchangeable covers. Good. Okay. Well, that's that's somewhat counts as a collectible with those exclusive covers. Yeah, it's cool. I think uh, our cousin Jason he came up with a cool, well, come up with a great idea. But I mean, he has this idea to to frame them all in this singular frame that I think will look pretty awesome, man. I think I might. I'm thinking about doing the same thing. That would turn out to be pretty nice. Yeah, and then they go in the box. 
pretty cool. So have you watched any of the exclusive content yet or the movie itself? Yeah, I've seen the, I watched the, the movie once and uh, managed to watch the uh, the exclusive stuff once too. Uh, the deleted scenes, several of them I've watched a couple of times. I was able to, you know, rewind a bit on the, uh, uh, is it the director and the Jedi. That was phenomenal. That was so good. Even the balance of the force though, I think that was like the standout for me, even though like, you know, the real documentary was so much better, so much more in depth. Like the balance of the force sums up a lot of things in a great way, really quickly. And, uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that short little 12 minute, uh, featurette. Yeah. Well, I wanted to, I wanted this episode to be about the extras from the last Jedi disc, but I figured, you know, our, our pals in the UK have yet to get the disc. And I know whoever bought it digitally may have, have seen the extras and all this stuff as well. But I want to give everybody a bit of a fair chance to uh, to buy the physical disc. And I think it comes out for them on April 9th. Uh, so for episode 121, which you know, it still won't be out there, but at least it comes out on the Tuesday. So they, you know, if they, if they watch their stuff right away, they can come back to our podcast, episode 121. And uh, so far, the, I think that's the plan. We'll, we'll talk about the extras next week. And, um, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully we can go another week here without, uh, some, some actual Star Wars news so we can fit in some talk about the, uh, the extras, but man, oh man, we'll, we'll talk more about, uh, the movie itself a bit later when we get to the, uh, binary sunset, but, uh, yeah, uh, guys, another painfully slow week in Star Wars news. And I guess that is primarily because of the Blu-ray release. They, I guess they just wanted to let that, that release have its week in the sun, um, so yeah, so like I said, we'll hold off and uh, we'll we'll check in on that again next week. So we'll jump into some uh, some toy talk instead, and it's not a collecting update. We just did that, uh, and so we'll talk about this this decline in Star Wars toy sales. The sky is falling, guys! Oh my god! So I, I posted a link in the, the Tumbling Saber Facebook group, and I wanted to discuss this with you guys because th- we're going to see a lot of this in the coming weeks and probably months as well. Um, just as, as star Wars trundles along here and pumps out more content than anybody could handle. I, I think revenue figures might slip a little bit and people will, will jump on that and pretend and, and prop it up as uh, reasons to think the sky is falling. So let's, let's talk about this now. So one of the quotes that I pulled out, um, from, the, from this piece, I'll, I'll read that here. Is the fact that we began to merchandise the film in September and the film came out in December was just too long a period to, to sustain retail interest. So that's from uh, a gold, some, something Goldner, I, like a CEO of uh, whatever. Hasbro. Hasbro, yeah. Thank you. And he, said, he, he went on to say, it didn't help that lots of other toys were hitting around the same time with an array of entertainment initiatives coming to market. So cutting through that gobbledygook, um, you know, what, what I, what's hard to make out in, in all that stuff is how much of a drop in Hasbro's overall revenue can be attributed to Star Wars slipping sales. You know, it, it, that is hard to quantify, right? They, they didn't divulge those figures. And I, you probably have to dig and dig and dig to figure it out. But I mean, of, of all the toy lines they have, you know, to suffer a two percent dip, as they went on to say here, uh, Hasbro's overall revenue fell two percent in the fourth quarter. Like that's it's that's vague and nebulous 
uh, talk, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Especially with so many other toy lines going on. Yeah, I mean, like 2% doesn't seem that catastrophic to me. I mean, shareholders want things to go one way, and that's up. But a 2% drop doesn't strike me as, as particularly disastrous. I'm sure they'll survive. I mean, their shares did drop like 7.8% as a result of this, air quotes, disappointing number. But it seems, it strikes me as disingenuous to blame Star Wars for the company's fourth quarter uh, decline in revenue. Carlos, do you have any take on any of this? Mm, look, they did they overshoot some of their uh, production numbers? Uh, yeah, I mean we're still we're still uh, they're still uh, Generoso and uh, Cassian Andor swinging from the pegs, uh, taking up room at uh, the Toys R Us sure. uh, near near my house, uh, and it's like. Uh, they they definitely overshot it, uh, overproduced a lot of things, underproduced others. But I mean that's they do that on purpose also to to drive up the value of certain pieces and get yeah have people always on the hunt buying yeah, other exactly, stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, oh, I only saw two of this one. I didn't want it today. I was gonna get it next time, but no, I think I'll get it now. You know, like Corey, he's pretty much the fish. so uh, Corey's the the prototypical uh, consumer that they want Um, but like I said for the other figures I mean I I think that has more to do with it than the timing of the releases because the timing of the release we had um, I think it was when was the last April was Celebration Almost celebration. Yeah, yeah, it's about a year ago, and the, they had that the the first teaser trailer, right? Release, Correct. and then they had a whole summer of nothing. Well, they had a May the Fourth with a couple of Lego stuff. Uh, then they announced the the big Millennium Falcon, but there was like nothing, nothing, nothing. And then when everything hit on Force Friday too, uh, I think I mean I think that was timed right. I don't think you can see necessarily that oh they should have put it closer to the release date. No, why? You just want to you want to drum up as much excitement for the toys uh, before a Christmas rush, where people some people just go in there and grab whatever they could find. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I I do think maybe they goofed in trying to in in thinking that the Last Jedi's the rush for the Last Jedi, the buzz surrounding that was going to be duplicated or easily duplicated for the last Jedi. That's that's just not how it works. Like people were amped up for the for the Force Awakens. And so I, that that's that's going to be tempered for part 2. That that's just the way things work. Um like they could never have duplicated that success. So I, I'm okay with them releasing it in September, but I'm absolutely not shocked that by Christmas time like people had their fill. So like you know come Christmas rush People aren't running to the stores or to Amazon to buy Star Wars stuff. Like they, they've they've got what they need, right? And I also think one of the problems um, was like the Last Jedi version of a lot of these toys was really no different than the Force Awakens version. Like look at Poe figures and Finn and Kylo. It's it's nearly the same thing. Like Ray has a new outfit, but by and large, a lot of the toys are exactly the same figure. And then when you count uh, other guys like Snoke and Luke and Leia, 
kids aren't really all that interested in in characters that are ancient or you know at least in their mid 60s like they're not really they're not really the type of characters that that kids want to play around with so i i see a very obvious disconnect there and then lastly like speaking for myself i'm not somebody who swims in money like scrooge mcduck like i have found it really really tough to keep up with you know the 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 tsunami that came with the force awakens and then again with rogue one and then the last jedi hit and i'm we're, we're bracing for another one with with solo it's it's a lot of stuff and if they if if hasbro thinks they can just keep raising the projections for expected revenue they're it's going to blow up in their face i'm i'm, I'm the exact same page as you and when you look at it comparatively to the force awakens like Star Wars had been had gone under for for so long that of course it was going to be consumed at a at a greater and higher rate. But uh, at the same time, like I think a lot of the toys, anyhow, like I get that September the movie, like people are banking on the movie being good when they don't really have haven't even really seen it yet. By the time the movie when the movie comes out, it's pretty much Christmas already. So, you know, you, like you guys had said, like the stuff's already been bought or not. And I mean the playability. Uh, uh, Three and three quarters with non-opposable joints, like, oh man, like I don't know, kids got cell phones these days, man. Like I could see <laughs> the younger generations not so much caring about toys as much as like we did when we were kids, and I think a lot of the sales go to people in their like, like us, you know, like older, yeah. like don't don't get me wrong, like kids obviously still buy these things as well, but I think there's still a lot of adults out there collecting as well. No, look, let's let's put the cards on the table here. The Black Series is targeted at adults, 40-something uh, men and and uh, women nerds who just have to have everything. That's what yeah. it's targeted for. It's not targeted for – it's not like the little ones, like you were saying, the, the three and three-quarter, you know, the, the one with the white backdrop that they released. Like those are – yeah, you could play with them. They're cool. But like even my kids – they, they don't play with figures as much. Like it's it's rare. You know what I mean? So I look at what my kids do and it's, yeah, it's the tablet. It's um, Lego. Playing with Lego. Yeah. Playing with Lego is one thing. But to play with a figure, like. Slap an know. old Joe in their hand. Once you get a little more movement in there, you're like, damn. Look, suplex uh, this guy. Two, two years, two years ago, uh, Santa Claus brought. A bunch of superheroes from the Avengers and a couple from DC, uh, like a 12-inch uh, f- uh, figures, you know, uh, very limited movement and the joints, you know, like shoulders moved up and down, like shoulder joints and maybe like a, a hip joint, but that's about it, right? And uh, they they still play with them. I mean, they're cool. I mean, they're cool characters. Who doesn't love Spider-Man or Batman? Like that's that's not the issue. The issue is. How long does that keep their attention as opposed to when you were a kid or I was a kid and I got Flint from G.I. Joe and that thing was in my pocket with me until my uh, a-hole of a cousin broke him in half. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? Well, thinking about kids, kids, I mean, generally speaking, you know, who these toys are aimed at, I guess 12 years old and under, they're not buying these things themselves. So when a parent takes their kid to walmart or toys r us and the kid says hey mom can i buy this poe figure or this or this fin figure they go i just bought you that like a year ago yeah but this guy this fin has he's from the new movie and his shirt is black this time 
<laughs> parents go, uh, you can pretend that your other one is the same guy. You can just take your Sharpie out and color the t-shirt, the white t-shirt black if you like. Move along. You know what I mean? Like, parents look at this and go, how much of this stuff do I have to put up with? So I, 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 I think that's a lot of it. I think there's probably a lot of people who want to say, oh, the movie wasn't very good, so the toy the toy sales weren't very good. And Corey, I think you made a good point when you said that by the time the movie came out, the lion's share of of the toys were bought. We're talking about 2017, fourth quarter 2017 here. And I, I don't think that really had a whole, a whole lot to play with. That I don't think that had a whole lot to do with the, the dip in sales figures. It might... I'm not an analyst. I don't understand this stuff. Um, but look, if, if people can't look at trends, especially these guys at Hasbro, and understand that that was a predictable thing, then maybe they shouldn't be in their position. Who am I to say that? But it's it seems pretty predictable. Every part two does less than the part one. That is just the way it goes. So toy sales could have easily been projected to do less than The Force Awakens. Unless this is all the, all of this is really just the work of the clickbait press trying to push the narrative that Star Wars fatigue is coming. But even at that, like, look, look at the movie from like a playability standpoint. Like, I mean, think about it. If you're playing toy with your toys in a way, like, um, the third act's the only really the battle of on crate, like, and the kid retelling it at the end. Like, that's the only really part where I would think that you know a kid would have any fun. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was alluding to. Like, kids aren't going to play with the Luke figure. There's no lightsaber. He's an old man. Like, they're not they're not going to play with those figures in the way that kids play. Yeah, like Luke and Ray interacting and arguing. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It, or, it's you know, I'm proud of the child that does play with the Luke figure, but in my mind, that doesn't happen. And so, just I, I did some research because a little research can go a long way, and facts don't really lie unless you want to stretch the truth. But this is, I think, this is pretty simple. So I, I did a little bit of research on just how much of a percentage drop does part two take from part one, because we, we we've all seen the negativity out there directed at the Last Jedi, where a lot of fans are saying, "Well, this is the worst movie that's ever been made. Ryan Johnson should be fired to the center of the sun. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy should lose her job." This is the worst Star Wars movie ever. And and people will point to that Rotten Tomatoes score, which we know has been doctored. Uh, they'll point to the, air quotes, underwhelming box office total. They'll point to all this stuff. But let's, let's look at this for a second. And we'll use worldwide numbers because we are a worldwide community. So A New Hope worldwide has grossed $786 million. The Empire Strikes Back has grossed $534 million, a drop of 32%. Substantial, might some might even say disappointing. The Phantom Menace, 1.02 billion worldwide. Attack of the Clones, 656, a 36% dip. And then we move ahead to this trilogy. The Force Awakens, 2.06 billion. The Last Jedi, 1.32, a drop of 35.8%. Ooh, <laughs> it's it's smack dab in the middle. It's right there. It's in this. We're in the same wheelhouse. So the next time you end up in a, in a discussion with somebody who says, oh, the box office proves it, then the Rotten Tomato score proves it, it doesn't prove squat. It just proves that we're right in the meaty arc of this of this trend. We're, it's right where part two kind of slots in. So there you go. 
people can just stuff their narratives in a sack. <laughs> you can stuff your sorries in a sack, mister. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, all right. Now sticking again with, uh, we're talking money again. This is a money podcast. So some, some early box office predictions for the solo flick have, are starting to emerge. Uh, and some, I think this is from box office, box office pro.com. They've got this pegged at about $150 million for, for its opening weekend, similar to Rogue One. And then a, t- a total domestic of between 350 and 475 which is sort of eye-popping in the... Well, that seems really low for a Star Wars movie. And they don't give any uh, worldwide data. But if you, if you, you, it's, again, very easy to just go and look at... Uh, domestic and international splits over the you know the last few Star Wars movie and you can extrapolate and you can apply uh, some pretty simple formulas to figure out the range that Han Solo's likely going to fall in if this base prediction is at all accurate so we can expect solo to kind of land at about 725 to just about a billion dollars which is nothing to sneeze at but again that that will if if solo does crank out less than a billion We'll have the same people coming out and going, oh, here you go. That's it. This It's the end of Star Wars. They should just wrap it up and go home. But again, we can, let's just, let's just take a deep breath, take a step back and just think for a moment. So as more Star Wars movies get released, especially the standalones, in my opinion, like box office takes are going to be less impressive and less eye popping as time goes on. Like the releases are going to become more routine for the casual moviegoer. Less of an of a you know can't miss event, and the numbers are just gonna slack a little bit. Like, is this surprising to anybody? I don't know, not really. I mean, I I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like I've said this for a while on this pod that I'm kind of worried about the numbers for Solo, just because of the docket that's lined up for that that beginning of summer, the blockbuster season. You know, it's Infinity Wars. You know, so it's given it some birth by moving for its date forward, but at the same time, it's it's going to linger, man. Oh, Infinity right? War is going to have huge legs, massive. I mean, look at Black Panther and then crank it up a little bit more. Like Infinity War is going to just blaze a huge path through through the uh, early summer box office. It's going to crush. But you're right. Like at least, sorry, right, go, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say, like after Solo comes out, you know, it's at least it's got its. Uh, a bit of a birth till the next kind of big blockbusters uh, comes out. It's got about, you know, a little more than two weeks on its own kind of before, in my opinion, the next big movie comes out that might, you know, knock it down, which is kind of good. But uh, I personally, honestly, don't know if it's going to make the billion dollar marker. And that's not going to surprise me or really disappoint me. It's just going to disappoint me when I start hearing all this crap about it. You know what I mean? Like, when a, when a company's making like five, six hundred million in profit off one movie, even though this movie went into reshoots and they doubled their budget, that'll still be you know, six hundred million for seven hundred million profit. It's not all that bad. It's just fine. Carlos? Every time I see a question that we tackled on our solo uh, question for the uh, Powerful Friends, the solo, the solo questionnaire, uh, and I and I see something like this 100. I, I try to remember what I actually put down as my prediction, and I I believe it was somewhere in the area of 115. But I I went under that just to not go over because that was part of the rules. 
Um, Price is right rules. So, yeah, Price is right rules. Yeah, closest uh, without going over. So um, I'm hoping uh, some people overshoot that. Uh, and uh, at 150 million, I'm hoping it takes in 200 <laughs> for them. But uh, for me, uh, I mean, I have no vested interest, honestly. Besides that, I just wanted to do well. I want to like the movie first and foremost. Uh, I think everybody should. Uh... Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I that think, should be first yeah. and foremost. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. But there are other, there are people out there with their, you know, they're getting their popcorn ready, you know, uh, just to hoping to see it fail. Oh, yeah. I think one thing we can learn from this already, I think it's clear. Uh, we don't know what we have. Well, we know somewhat was coming, I guess, for the summer after already in 2019. But even at that, you, you always got to look what's surrounding the movie. Like how many movies are coming out around that time? And what's the gravitas to surpass kind of deal? <laughs> like you're still going with that, huh? Yeah, why not? It's going to work. Classic. For a while. That's a classic. But you know what I mean? Like it's all situational. It all depends on the timing of things. And granted, again, this is the same studio. So give it to them. They, they know what they're doing. They're making money hands down no matter what. But uh, at the same time, it's uh, next year it might not be the same. Like when you have a movie like The Last Jedi or The Force Awakens that comes out in December, I mean, what's it going up against? Like some – Nothing. Uh, some, that's it. Everybody you know? clears out. Like, yeah. But it's the winter months. No one really, like the blockbuster season is the season to compete, right? So it makes it a little more volatile as well. Well, you're right. And check this out. So I'm I'm sure everybody is vaguely aware of this schedule, but just check this out. And this 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 applies to North America. I don't know if the international dates all line up, but April 27th, of course, is Infinity War. Then two weeks, uh, three weeks later, we get Deadpool two. Then a week after that is Solo. And then two weeks after, or again, three weeks after that is Incredibles 2. And then a week after that is Jurassic World. So Solo is going to have, you know, three weeks to itself, but still battling against Deadpool 2, which is will, will be only one week old. So will Deadpool 2 have good legs and put up a good fight? You bet. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to nip at Solo a bit. And Infinity War, of course, is going to just just keep rolling steamrolling so all these things are going to erode the box office take which again carlos you said it really who cares as long as the movie is good and we enjoy it but it's good to uh to arm ourselves with this this knowledge now so that when these these inevitable takes that uh, star wars has run out of steam at the box office we have the arguments ready to say shut your faces Go home, <laughs> roll up your website and get out of here. It's going to be uh, really, really aggravating. I just, I, I can't, you, you know how I feel about clickbait. And there's a lot of it out there. Oh boy. Hey, how about that Meryl Streep clickbait this week? Did you guys see that? <laughs> yeah. No, it does. We're, just, we're not talking, we're not giving that any credence here? No, 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 no. It's, it, that is, uh, just say no, man. I have less of a problem with the idea than I do with the evolution of how this has become a story. The how it's become a story is the reason why I'm not talking about it. So we'll just move on from that. Uh, guys, D23 has been announced, and I know that I won't be there, and you guys probably won't be there either, but it, I, I think 2019 might be the biggest year yet for Star Wars, which is saying something. So we know we're getting Episode nine. And we know that the Disney streaming service will launch. 
which will probably, hopefully, contain an, a live-action series and an animated series. So D23 might carry teasers or full-on trailers for all of those things and probably carry announcements for other stuff as well. Like the Game of Thrones guys will probably be ready to share some info. And then you combine this event with what, we'll, what we're likely going to have a celebration at this in the spring of 2019. And like next year is going to be flat out ridiculous. And it's this, it's thinking ahead to this type of stuff. D23 celebration, all the stuff that's wrapped up. That's what precipitated uh, our discussion from last the, the last episode of Sith Disturbers. And what do we do to, pr- to prepare for all this? But like, how excited are you guys for, for 2019? Yeah, I mean, hopefully we get news sooner. But I definitely do agree with you in the sense that they're they're going to be unveiling. They're going to be dropping bombs, probably left, right, and center. But, you know, uh, it might include Favreau's thing as well. Like, we... Still, we're we're in the dark completely, but I figure before that time, anyhow, we'll at least get news on one of the projects. Let it be the animated or, like you said, the Game of Thrones guys. Uh, maybe not Favreau's, but and even even like you said, they they could announce another another solo trilogy or news on Ryan's trilogy, the name of. Oof. Yeah. Plus, there's Marvel's Marvel stuff going on there as well. We could get surface details, cast. You know, like a loose, loose plot or loose uh, premise for the show, uh, you know, the cast and all that stuff. But I, I think trailers peaks into the show. I don't think that we start seeing that stuff in, in, for another year. What do you think, Carlos? <sighs> I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is tough to project, though, isn't it? it uh, yeah, like, we course. just know that there's there's. Way too much stuff coming, and it's it's gonna be full on drinking from the fire hose, and I'm I'm so excited. All right, uh, so yeah, August twenty third to twenty fifth in Anaheim. Wonder if any of our uh, SWC brethren will be there. I'd count on it. Yeah, I would. I would think so. All right, so this is this is pretty fresh news. This came out today. Uh, I, I caught this on Slash Film who were reporting in from AwesomeCon, which I believe was in Washington, D.C. I know Ash was there. Skyhopper Ash was there uh, doing her thing. So Ooh, I just want to backtrack a second, Kyle, because remember we had this conversation recently. Well, not recently. I think it was last year, but Celebration would be in 2019 as well, no? Yeah, I said that. So that's, that's going to be like... <laughs> I don't know. That, that just hit me now. Like It's like just they're both going to be vying for, for different pieces of the of, of news you know like same as last time like who gets to drop what well i mean they're both disney exclusive i mean d23 is obviously disney and and celebration is star wars exclusive so you know it's just about what do they want to show us and when but no doubt they're gonna just blow us away at both venues i mean and i think it's it's Worth mentioning that Celebration 2019 is, I don't think that's been confirmed. But I think everybody's kind of counting on it. It's been every second year, I think. So this, I yeah, think the, the smart money has been on. Readers. Yeah. I think the smart money has been on 2019, but there's been no confirmation. So we'll, we'll have to see there. But uh, yeah, so John Boyega was at AwesomeCon and he was speaking about Episode 9, again in very loose terms. And he said, I haven't read the script for episode nine, but Daisy did shoot me a text saying, 
oh my gosh, I just heard from JJ, and we're back together. That's what I'm really excited about, is Finn and Ray back together again. So let, let's let's take a stab at this, boys. Well, first of all, how happy are we gonna are we gonna be to see the uh, the best new duo from this trilogy back on screen together? That, that's pretty sweet, right? JJ loved their chemistry, so you know, hopefully he's, it's coming back to him, like he wants to play off it again. Yeah, he's slipping back into a comfort zone, I guess, right? That yeah, makes sense. I don't know. Oh, there's there's all kinds of different things they they can be doing, like. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I do find it a little odd, though, like the way that the story's gone. That they're, they're uh, I don't know, maybe they're recruiting. Or maybe they, I, I could almost see them more maybe on a, as a special ops kind of team, like the elite of the new rebellion or whatever. Uh, well, the, again, I don't, uh, anything's possible. Carlos, the do you have any thoughts? On, the boots on the ground. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I think it might be a side mission to what's going on in the galaxy. That's that's what I think. That you know they're going to be back together in, in in that capacity where they have like a side mission. Yeah, that that's the thing too. Like I I don't see Ray's story being caught up with the fleets. Like I see them just. I mean, it's typical Star Wars fashion. Like the Jedi or whatever they they separate. They go and do their own thing, and maybe this time around. Like Finn says, like, I'm I'm not leaving you. I'm coming with you. You know, like, like if she has to go get Kylo, like, uh, they're still good in him or whatever it is. Like, I need to go face him again one last time to end this. Like, you'd be like, I'm, I'm coming with you. You can't stop me kind of, you know, I'm with you till the end or whatever. How does that make Rose feel? She'll understand. <laughs> I have to do Rose this, she? Rose. I mean, in the book, in the novelization, there almost seemed to be. This doesn't appear in the film at all, but in the novelization, Rose almost has a uh, seems very jealous of Finn's uh, focus on Ray. It, it was a weird well, element to the novelization. Time jump. Uh, yeah. She's cool now. But I, 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 I pray that there's not some type of uh, love triangle. I, I do not want to see that under any circumstance. That strikes me as completely unnecessary. But Corey, you're you're totally right. Like the Jedi usually seem to branch off and do their own thing. Like they usually go off for training. But if if Ray and Finn are together, I, I think that probably implies that Ray's not off training. I mean, no, there's nobody to teach her, first of all. Right? So they probably are, like Carlos said, on some kind of side mission. That's that's that would be my take. You, you you have Finn, who's shown to be fairly competent on these little side missions. So why not take uh, take Ray with you? I like that idea. Anyway, so uh, John Boyega went on to say that he wants to see Finn's backstory explored and to find out where like where he comes from, where, who his parents are, all that stuff. Like, do you want to see where he comes from in Episode Nine? Yeah, no, <laughs> Carlos. Do I say what? Say it again. Do you do you <laughs> care to find out like where Finn comes from, his parents, all that stuff? Oh uh, no, no. I think it's it's quite clear. I mean, he was raised as a stormtrooper from uh, from a little kid. You actually see a little a little computer uh, image of of, a, of yeah. a, a little a little Finn. 
So he was taken from his family. That's all we know. Like, I don't, I don't want to see like, oh, a reunion with his family. That would be like, we yeah, don't like, care. We do yeah, not care. Exactly. Like, who are you? What would it add? You don't want it to be like someone that's known in the story as well. Like, it's just going to make the galaxy look so small. Other than that, he's going to like pull a Lone Star and be like, I'm a prince. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I mean, like like any diehard Star Wars fan, like I want everybody's backstory eventually, but I they, I, they don't need to do this on screen. Certainly not in Episode Nine. Like that kind of that 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 ship has sailed. It's over. Like there's been no real setup that this is something they're going to explore. We we like you guys said, like they mentioned that he was taken from birth, trained as a baby, brought up to be a stormtrooper, bred to do one thing. Like he knows that Finn already knows that's how it's played out, you know. Unless JJ is aiming for a three-hour film, I don't see how they bring that up, like bring up that story thread and carry it through to the end. Like it, and it also seems unnecessary. Like one of the running themes of this trilogy is, you know, finding your family, like finding a family within people who are not blood relatives, right? So it, Finn's parents to me are not important. The same as as Ray's parents are not important. It's just like it's just not something I think we're gonna need to explore. Again, I'm happy to read it in a comic or a novel at some point in the future. Not needed for this trilogy. Anything else on that? I think we're good, man. All I right. think it's big old just just the text message too that gets the speculation. Like, well, yeah, I have I haven't read the script yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> has Daisy read the script? I don't know. Or was she just, just riffing with JJ and just talking over the phone? So, I mean, again, we're, we're maybe talking about a whole lot of nothing here. And maybe this was an April Fool's joke. I don't know. There were a couple of those going around uh, this April Fool's. But this one seemed a little more legit. I, I need something totally awesome for Awesome Con. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I am excited. If, if Ray and Finn are back together in a big way for Episode Nine. I'm down with that. They they had a good chemistry on screen together. Uh, TFA is a is a really fun film in large part because of the dynamic those two had with one another. So great, bring that back to episode nine. I, I welcome that with open arms. But look, I mean, let's just one final thing. Like, I mean, it's not going to be for the totality of the movie. It's probably going to be like a third of the movie. Like maybe one of the acts is going to be them uh you know uh, doing a little something uh, you know getting information or or you know backdoor something sure but yeah it's not going to be the whole movie it's not going to be like uh i'm laurel i'm hardy <laughs> you know like uh... <laughs> I, yeah i i agree i don't think they'll be connected like r2 and 3po all the way through i i, I do agree that they will be separated at some point and you know, maybe, maybe they start together, they do, they diverge, and then they come back at the end. That could be very easily be it as well. All right. Uh, how about a little break, guys? Yeah. Let's Sounds do it. Good. Take a quick little break, and we'll come back with the binary sunset. we got a, a loaded section this week and a lot of fun questions to come up here. Evening, chaps. Hope everyone is well. Another week, another question. So I have just come back from a week's holiday with the family. Really good. Sort of camping in a static caravan, uh, very much for the UK, uh, Heidi High style um, camping. So entertainment in the evenings. Good fun. And yeah, 
feeling feeling good. So, with that in mind, my question relates to holiday destinations. Go through the usual Star Wars characters and have a think where they may where they may be best suited uh, to go on holiday. For example, who's the skier? Who fancies um, careering down a mountain? Who would rather maybe put a towel on on a sunbed and lounge around by a pool all day, etc., etc. So have some fun, and I shall look forward to listening. Take care. Bye. All right, there goes ads fresh off a of vacation. So I think I was right, guys. Last week when I heard ads voicemail with seagulls in the background. I think I was You're right. right. Yeah, true. <laughs> Living uh, the good life. Living the well deserved. Too. Absolutely, everybody deserves a nice camping vacation by the sea. That sure, why awesome. not? Yeah, I'm planning people, a, a couple. Other of... people live in the pit of hell, but uh, it's all good. <laughs> well, what, what do you call it again? It was some kind of ritzy camping. What, what was it? I don't uh, know. Yeah, I can't remember. It sounds fun. Pictures or it didn't happen. Ads. All right, guys, let, let's let's cut to the chase here. Uh, where let's talk about the usual suspects in Star Wars, and where would they take their their I guess Earthbound vacations, or what? Maybe not so specific. What would they do on vacation? What do you got, Corey? I got a few here. I guess. Well, um, oh. the I guess one of the obvious answers, Lando, for sure. If he's if he's he might be dragging Han and Chewie with him, but. He's going to Vegas and or Canto Bite. I put Monaco. Hmm. Which probably, racing? Which probably, I suppose that, that lines up a, a little more with uh with Canto Han, Bite. yeah. Well Monaco, I just I picture more racing and then I see Han getting attracted to it. But then again, Lando he's gambling anyway. Like does he go on a gambling vacation to get away from his gambling? Uh, I think just that's what he loves to do. The higher the stakes, the higher, the bigger the rush. So it's never it's never a job if you love it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's like <laughs> poker players who they're they're based they they do the tour. They're based in Vegas, but when they go on vacation, they make sure that there's not there's there's a poker room not too far away. You know, you what, know? this is gonna make Corey angry, but I hate poker. I I love poker. I, I actually finished stand it. In the uh, 2009 Montreal Open, I finished 11th out of 1,500 entrants. Wow. Won a trip to Vegas. And, uh, yeah, so I was the bubble boy for the $10,000 table uh, seat at the table, at the, the big table. Oh, boy. Yeah. But I uh, I had led, I pretty much led from day two. Uh, I led all the way until the final 20. I had like a massive chip, uh, chip, uh, chip stack. Anyways, yeah, but I like poker, so I'm with Corey on this one. I, I, yeah, I, I love poker. I, hate, I don't like watching it so much as well, I that, do playing that's it. it. That's I'll, I'll clarify. I that's what I hate. I hate that it would it would turn into this big thing on TV. You know where that all started, years. right? Uh, it just started during the hockey lockout, didn't it? Exactly. At least for that, exactly. That's for, for us in Canada when when there's no hockey on TV, they filled it with with poker content. I was just, it was making me want to gouge my eyes out on but, sports networks. Ugh. But the thing is, it, it was kind of like a happy, a happy accident that it, it, they both converged at the same time 
because poker stars had taken a huge jump forward uh, with online uh, online poker, and Chris Moneymaker was the first guy online player to make a final table and win, and um, so it, it was kind of that whole, and that was two thousand five. So it was that it was that whole thing. Oh yeah, poker was huge back then. Like it's taken a huge dive since, but man, it was huge back in the day. I wouldn't say huge dive, but I mean the the pot for the final um, for the the main event at the World Series of Poker. I think it went up to twelve or fourteen million. And I think it's back down to ten or eight. But I mean, it's still uh, it's it's way more than the million that they used to give. Well, what helped poker here locally in Montreal is that we had a local boy win it in and around that same time that you were, I guess, finishing. 11th. I think he won two years after me. It was uh, Jonathan Duhamel. Yeah. Yeah. And he no doubt helped spark that interest locally in, in poker, which is probably he why good. he saw it on TV all the time. Yeah, no, for sure. I think by that point, he was already at the, he was already at the top of the cresting wave. Like uh, there was already, uh, you know, René Angelil always plays. He used to play the, the, there's a love of poker in in uh, in our area, and uh, I actually have uh, member passes to two different poker rooms. Uh, one of them actually has changed name uh, since uh, since I've last been. But um, yeah, I mean it's cool. Uh, I'm not gonna plug any of the rooms because uh, they don't pay me to, so I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a lot of poker, and even uh, poker at the Montreal Casino when they brought it in. Uh, what it did was it made people realize how good the poker rooms were off island uh, in the uh, the reservation areas. And uh, a lot of their um, uh, registrations actually jumped forward because of that. Anyways, side tangent, poker yeah. tangent. Yeah. Thanks for sticking Who's with us. here? <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I, t- I took us right out there on, onto something I don't like. But uh... and, and that's why Han... <laughs> let's let's tie it up. That's why Han would probably uh, vacation in uh, a nice like like Monaco, like you said, you know, beach during the day, and uh, the sabak table. See, I uh, think I think Han and Chewie would maybe tag along with Bradley and go on a fishing trip. I can totally see that. <laughs> I can see Han and Chewie unplugging and going fishing for a while. I got Han and Chewie on my list, and here here's what they do. They each get their own choice. Starts with Han. And now Han, it seems like rough going, and you wouldn't really expect this, but uh, I guess the new trailer kind of alludes to it. And we've seen it in Empire, so maybe he has an affinity for really, really, really cold planets. And here on, here, on Earth, we get the, the legend of Sasquatch being chewy. <laughs> like, so he, he just goes on a super cold-ass, like, polar mission or something man which we like let's survive all this shit let's let's go sleep in some animals <laughs> let's go sleep in some animals yeah let's come on <laughs> tauntaun sleeping bag come on oh man okay jeez <laughs> and then okay so so chewy on the other end he says okay like i'm follow i'll follow you up there okay fine i don't really want to do that but you're following me after and we're going south of the border straight into mexico you know, Chewy the Bandoliers made me think of that right away. So, <laughs> uh, well, Han is also a racing guy, so I, I wonder if Han might go check out NASCAR if he were on Earth. I think he's definitely more of a stock car guy than an F one guy. No way! I see F one man. He wants fast and faster. 
Yeah, I think the F1 cars are a little too. I don't know. Do hickeyed up. Do hickeyed up, but you know they have the restrictor plates. I'm I'm sure NASCAR does too. This is a, a stock a circle, car. Though. A stock car seems more in line with the Falcon than you know a, a little tiny F1 car. Hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think out there? Is Han a stock car guy or an F1 guy? All right. Mm. What about Leia? I, I I think Leia, as a rule, is probably too much of a busybody and just too active to ever unplug and go on a vacation. But if she did, where, where what would she do? I see her going to the place where her parents married on Naboo. Hmm. Reading a book. No, no, definitely no book. Laptop, checking in on the, what's going on. Hollow pad. Making, sh- making sure that that the plans are are still going as planned. But she's the type then, that just, that, that, yeah, she can't stop checking her phone while she's on vacation, making sure that uh, people are still doing their work and emails are still flowing and stuff like that. There's no way she <clears throat> totally unplugs. Kylo Ren. <laughs> I thought I thought she would use her vacation time to go on on humanitarian missions. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if she's going to like uh, Guatemala to build homes, <laughs> but she I no, think I she could be there leading that effort. You know what I mean? Um, you know what? That would be cool actually. Thinking about it, and I got an image of of Jimmy Carter, who's like in his nineties, and he's still he's still doing the Habitat for Humanity thing. Like that's that's a guy with conviction and uh he doesn't have to do it and he does it you know that's like maybe that's yeah i, I could see leia ha- having that uh that type of thing you know in her later years because even in uh the, the princess of alderaan book one of her challenges uh in in claiming the throne of alderaan was i think the challenge of the heart where she she pretty much steals the tent of four and takes off to Oh, what's the name of that planet at the beginning of Rogue One where we pick up with Jin? Oh, no. I just heard it this week and I... Why can't I remember? <sighs> no, yeah, it's it's not there. It's not Wobani. It's... Yes. No. It is Wobani. Oh, nice. Good job. Well, that's... that's No, the Wobani was the prison planet yeah. where they... Yeah, yeah, that's it. She, okay, she takes... so you're not talking about where Galen and Lara and Lyra were. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, okay. She, uh, she takes a, the, the Tant of Four to Wobani on a humanitarian mission. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. So Sorry, I, I was, I think uh, in her, was not aware. Throughout her life, whether it's old Leia or young Leia, she would still she would still do something like that. And I think if she, if there was downtime within those humanitarian missions, I think then she would take like uh, a hiking expedition. And check out uh, what's on the trails there in the, in the mountains. Definitely like, takes after her dad. Always on the move. Oh yeah, like she's not one to sit sit around on the beach, on, you know, on a lounging chair with in the sun with a mai tai. No way. Uh, what about what about uh, farm boy Luke? What does he do? Can I can I go first for this one? Sure. Is this this one was <laughs> this is awesome for anybody that um watches pbs or um any type of travel shows look at young luke and picture rick steves traveling 
through Europe. <laughs> it's him. Wasn't that it's show him. on like PBS or something in the early yeah. 90s? Yeah, PBS. I think he still does it. He has a bunch of uh, Rick Steves. Uh, he actually has um, a bunch of books and uh, you can actually YouTube him. Um, pretty cool, man. And uh, But he's very geeky. Oh, he is. He's absolutely oh, yeah. such a dweeb. Very... <laughs> and that's what I see Luke like. Oh, boy. Like, <laughs> you know. Oh, I wanted to go to Tashi Station to get some power converters. Oh, like, like, uh. My farm boy Luke, just he, he takes a vacation to the big city. Whatever that means. He goes to the big city and gets completely overwhelmed. He gets. Yeah, like he, he has like his binoculars around his uh, uh, around his neck. He has like a camera. Uh, his uh, safari hat. Him. The safari hat, a big map. The map's blowing in the wind. Like he can't <laughs> set it straight. Yeah, that's Luke right there. Birkenstocks that's and it. socks. <laughs> if you're going to ask me, I was going to say the same thing. His exactly like kind of like you guys, especially you, Kyle. But uh, big vacation to go to Tashi Station. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think that all right, fine. That that make pretty much seals it. That's what he would do, and he would get completely screwed over day in and day out while he's on vacation in that city. He, I might even go so far as to say he'd get mugged. Yeah, probably. No, I think the force would be with him in a coincidental way, or Obi Wan would have his back in the shadows as he was about to get his like throat slit. Obi Wan would be like in the shadows. Nope. Well, Ponda Baba still tossed him halfway across the bar. That didn't go so well. So Okay, so what does old man Luke do? I got this right away. I just thought of this now, too, when you asked the Luke question, because I didn't have anything for Luke, but you kind of inspired me here. But old man Luke, instead of going to Acto or Act 2, however people call it these days, um, you know, he's going to live out his days in a Nova Scotian trailer park. <laughs> Can't you see that? The last Jedi Luke yelling at like I don't know, just <laughs> yelling at people and throwing a glass bottle like Oh, I can now I totally see that. I've never been there. But like I'm talking I, about trailer trailer park boys. I mean I've i ne- I've never watched it. I've never uh, No, I've never watched it. Um But I kinda get it a little bit. Like I, I think more along the lines of like Walter Matthau and Jack Lemon, grumpy old men, like going fishing type of thing. Like we're almost like living in a garbage can. Like, get out of here. Well, you see how Walter Matthau eats in that movie? <laughs> you know, he's it's like he's eating cat food almost. You know, sitting in front of the TV, pops down. Frumpy Walter Matthau. So that's that's what I see old man Luke. So I, geez, I, I gave Luke some dignity. I thought he'd go to like he'd go to check out Machu Picchu or or the Great Wall of China. Well, you guys have him in a trailer park, just well, I guess letting himself really... go while he he sticks one hand into his shorts and puts the other hand into a bag of Doritos. No, it's more like a bottle of booze, but that's more like retirement too. It's not, it's not the same. Wow. I, I I just thought of like ancient landmarks or ancient uh, civilizations that Luke would be sort of interested in checking out. Wow. Okay. Trailer Park Luke. <laughs> uh, what about Snoke? What does he do on vacation? 
Snoke is like Kramer. His life is a vacation. I I don't see him. Uh, you know, he look at it. He's in the bathroom all day. Yeah, that's it. I don't I don't feel like he's the one that's kind of like he wants everything brought to him as opposed ask to your, him going out. Ask yourself this question: What does Hugh Hefner do on vacation? He's he, there. He, that's exactly it. He, that's it. That's what he does. He beats you know Hugh, he Hugh Hefner. <laughs> um, so James will be proud of this one. Snoke goes snorkeling. <laughs> no, but seriously, he uh, he he. I, I think he would take a tour of like Three Mile Island or Chernobyl or something. Yeah, he's like you can't go there, sir. Don't tell me what I can and cannot do. Like, Jyn Erso, there's one answer for this. Mm. I've got a Al- couple, actually. Alcatraz. And two of them have to do with a hot tub. <laughs> Are you also on this vacation, Carlos? Yes. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like spring break or something. Uh, fair enough. She hot, she hot wires a car. We drive down to Daytona. Fair enough. I, I I think she would backpack across Europe. Or she would follow a band cross country. Oh, yeah. The Band-Aids. She's one of the Band-Aids. She would do one of those two things. and she But she would do it on her own in both cases. Uh, who takes what about it? Jabba? <laughs> what about Jabba? Talk about a guy whose whole life is a vacation. I said I I can't see him disassociating like you guys mentioned with with uh, with Leia, so I don't know if he can say once a year he's got to get away from it all, so he leaves it in the hands of his of his men, and he goes to Endor and he just like he finds the oldest, biggest, nastiest rotten tree and just like slugs it up for a week. It's <laughs> like I'm gonna sleep, man, for a whole week. Who takes a staycation? You know, just stays home, cracks open a case of beer, and just gets loaded on their deck in the sun all week. It's Obi Wan. Come on, man. <laughs> I wanted. I didn't think of anything for Obi Wan, but he deserves something nice. Being trapped on that sand planet for so long, he deserves a nice vacation. Yeah, then he'd come back and lie about what he did. <laughs> so true. Who does the staycation? Hmm. Not so easy, huh? Maybe Crick's Maidine. He kind of looks boring. He does. It's probably too deep of a cut, Corey, for this question. (laughs) (laughs) Talking Han, Chewie, Leia, Lando. Maidine. (laughs) Oh, God. What what, What does Finn do on vacation? I feel like Finn could have a fun vacation. Well, Finn goes to the all-inclusive. Definitely. I was yeah, just yeah. going to say that. Yeah, he loves it. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's just getting out there. the world. <laughs> That's one of the best things about Finn's character is that he's still like, you know, he's coming out of his, out of his first order shell. So he's like experiencing a lot of things for the first time, like free will. No, you know what Snoke does? I'm going back to Snoke. He doesn't go to Chernobyl. He goes to the water slides. Ah! <laughs> a pasty white body. Oh, jeez. With the robes on. Oh, that's hilarious. Snoke at the water slide. That all right? I want, I want somebody to Photoshop that. 
Uh, who squanders I... their vacation by doing home renos badly? Uh, I don't know why, but th- that's that gets that's it's tough because this. That sounds like yes another no, Han and Chewy. No, for me it was a Lando. Because he lives such a like an opulent life, like he's like styling all the time. Like when he when he doesn't have to be somewhere, like I see him with those dollar store uh, like uh, s- slippers, just puttering around the house and like, okay, let's uh, let's take apart this kitchen. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I see I see Lando, but like Billy D. Lando, not uh, not uh, Donald Glover. Donald Glover. Like an would, older Lando. I, I'm going to give props to the Green Door Pod, to Yoda. Yoda's definitely, he's taking outside it all, going to Middle Earth and visiting the Shire. He'll fit right in. A lot of hills for that old man to walk up. Bro. <laughs> Use the force, I will. Not only that, like, dude, he just wants to rest, chill. People are, most of them are merry. Some of them are pretty stuck up, but yeah. You know, he's just going to, he's, he's going to impart some wisdom. I think he would, like, he would find all these people just too much into their, their food and getting drunk and their pipe weed. I think he would say it's too relaxed here for me. These people aren't serious. There's no serious minds here. Yeah, you just got to get away too once in a while, you know? Lucas, I need. So I, I'm going to back up to my uh, bad home renovations and, and give that to Chirrut. Because he's blind. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sharp as grapes this week, guys. Jeez. Who vacations on the Death Star? Hux. Yeah. <laughs> Hux takes a vacation, then takes like an, a, a week-long intensive course. On being a better first order officer. Did you guys know like the bottom. I guess it was like. Uh, the eastern quadrant. On the southern hemisphere. Like 23% of it is like based on like. Like apartment accommodations on the Death Star. Yeah, lodgings had to be somewhere. No but like. Like like rentals. Like for people that actually want to travel into space. And like rent them. Like. Like. <laughs> like uh, Airbnb stuff. Yeah. That's bizarre. It is, eh? That's because it's an <laughs> April Fool's joke. <laughs> oh. All right. <laughs> oh, you got me. 11.20 p.m. You. you had 39 minutes and you, you did it, Corey. You got me. I thought, I thought of spur of the moment. I was, I was like, you can do it. He's buying it. <laughs> He's going for it. And I made it better with the Airbnb bolstering. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, ads. There you go, sir. Welcome to hear if anybody else has any Star Wars-themed vacations. What are these people doing? All right, so let's check in with Bradley and Avery this week. They've got a couple questions for us. Hey, guys. Bradley here with this week's Star Wars questions. And actually, this week's questions come from my youngest, Avery. She's got a couple things that she's had on her mind, and she wanted to... Uh, send in some questions to you and uh, to see what y'all thought about them. Avery, so what's your question for the Tumbling Saber? Well, I noticed um, whenever I was watching The Last Jedi for the third time that, or the fourth time, 
Um, but I noticed that whenever um, Rose's older sister, whenever they're bringing in the bombers to take out the dreadnought, um, I noticed that um, the flap opening on the bottom for the bombs to go out, it's open space, so the people inside of the bombers would have been sucked out, which I'm kind of like, what? Why weren't they sucked out? Because it was open space, and I'm just a little confused about that. Uh, guys, I think this one's, for me, it's it's pretty simple. So when the bomber's bay door opens, why wasn't Paige sucked out into space, or anybody else for that matter? I have a very simple take. I'll let you guys, uh, Carlos. Do you have do you have a take that uh, might shed some more light than mine? I think we're on the same page here. Is it is it uh, because reasons? Yes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The atmosphere there's 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 an atmospheric bubble that's uh, that's still uh, that's keeping everything still. You can't see it. It's not explained, but it's there. And yeah. And. The the grill that she's lying on is enough resistance to keep her from falling out. Yeah, but that, it still would have been represented. Like the, the main thing for me is okay. Granted, you could say if it was electro, like if it was magnetized and there was some kind of shielding, why bother having the blast doors? Now these things look like such clunkers, and they ran so slow that you know maybe half the time it's like okay, like we need the bait doors. And then when it's time, we can use that extra energy to put up these blast shields or whatever it is. Because, uh, you know, there there is still an atmosphere in there for sure. They could have done, like you guys said, because reasons, they could have done maybe a bit of a different, like a better job in the sense that when you see these things falling, there's still obviously gravity within the ship in that well where she is. They could have maybe uh, shown the the cannonballs or whatever you want to call them, like passing through some kind of grid or shielding, like just, you know, getting digitized for a second there and you could just see them falling through. But it made things a little more clear. It would have taken two seconds just to, because it's true. It honestly does look like that. I watched it again the other night and it's one of the first things. It's like, okay, you just kind of meant to assume that, yes, there's obviously some kind of, or like you, like you guys said, a larger bubble of shielding surrounding the ship. But to me, like again, to me, like this makes perfect sense to me. There was so much complaint about this online that, oh, it's space. It's you know, how do these things fall? Like, if there's gravity within the ship and these things fall, they're going to continue on the exact same trajectory in space at the exact same speed. Like, there's no resistance to meet it. They're just going to fall, just like, you know, there's really no falling in space, but it's just going to follow the same path that it was on anyway. It's not like they even need to be magnetized. Like people were freaking out about that, you know? No, it's not only that. It's when they start losing their um, uh, stabilizers. Once there's an explosion, that explosion actually you, it works like like an impulse burst. So it's pushing the ship down. If you want to get scientific about it, when you start seeing ships in Star Wars that, that are actually blowing up in space, which they couldn't. I don't know how they would really blow up considering there's no oxygen for the fire to catch. <laughs> but that's a different story. They're showing they're showing the, the, the explosion and the fire. When you see that explosion of fire pop up uh, from the top, the top of a vessel, in theory, that explosion would propel the ship 
to change its course and to fall, to make it look like it's falling. It's not gravity per se. It's the propulsion of the weightless environment of space when the explosions are happening around them. But it, either are way, we on like, the same page? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like they, they could have and maybe probably should have put one of those like pale blue shields. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Over that door just to indicate there's some type of visible, tangible protection for the people on board the bomber. I guess they thought it was unnecessary. But, I, you know, when I think when, when we're trying to explain away science and holding Star Wars to be this robust, true to true to life science, like, let that go, Avery. Don't just let you, you, I think we all need to just forget about science and, and concepts of science in Star Wars, especially with things like gravity. Forget it. It makes no sense. It you can never make any sense of that. And, you know, it, it, it's a fantasy movie. So just forget it. Just move on. Like it, it, it makes no difference at all. It is true, though, like just that scene alone, though, just. Again, it does look like exactly like she said, like, like it looks like there's nothing there. It just looks like empty space. So, yeah, a lot of people could assume that, you know. Yeah. Well, and, you know, people also said that, well, the, the dreadnought right beneath them obviously has its own gravity because gravity, it's so for sure. much bigger. So it just it would have attracted those those bombs anyway. But the I think the visual dictionary explains a way that they're magnetically propelled. So they were attracted to the uh, to the dreadnought based on on magnets so at least they covered themselves there but who cares like don't you cannot get wrapped up in well that's that's not scientifically accurate that doesn't make sense forget it the minute that you heard a like a sound of of a spaceship in space things stop making sense you know you if 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 you're going to try and hold star wars accountable i know that avery and brad are not doing that but if anybody is just like, well, this is, no, that's 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 fake. It was fake in 77. You should have punched your ticket then. Oh, come on. I mean, we all know what we're watching, you know, so. Yeah, it's yeah, that's that is very silly. So. Yeah, for the gravity thing, all that type of stuff, it it's nonsensical. There's zero thought put into it. It makes no sense. Let it be. All right, so let's let's take let's check in with their second question. Well, in the Last Jedi, um, there is a supposedly new technology where they can track the Radis mm-hmm. um, through hyperspace, and they make it seem like it's all new and stuff, when really it's um, already been discovered, and it's actually been discovered quite a long time ago because um in the last scene of rogue one you see the tantive four going away in hyperspace and in the new hope the empire's um darth vader's cruiser um has already like already has um the tantive four like basically tied on a string quote unquote from the last jedi because how would they have found them if if they hadn't already tracked them from hyperspace 
which I was kind of confused on, and I noticed this, like, my fifth time watching the Rogue One or something like that. So, yeah, that's my question is, have they already discovered the hyperspace tracking, or have they just forgotten about it? Whenever the Empire died, did that kind of knowledge die with them? All right, sorry about the, uh, the, the drop in the voicemail. I think it, it just kind of ended that way, but uh, we get the gist of it. So, guys, uh, how did the Empire track the Tantive Four in A New Hope? Corey, you got something? I, I got it here, man. I think it's there's a canonical answer to this, and you know you can kind of maybe say it's the wills of the Force because when you look back at it in hindsight, it's actually a bad choice on Leia. It's kind of a rash choice for her to be on the Radis at that time, knowing what they're getting into, but. It's desperate choice. It's the hope choice. But there was actually a problem with the hyperdrive. So when the Empire, uh, you know, when they escape from the Empire, hyperdrive signatures have these kind of, uh, they're, they're undetectable at that time. Like you said, like it's not like, uh, it's not something they learned in the past or whatever. But there was a problem again with the, mechanically with the Tantive 4's hyperdrive. So it's kind of like, uh, I think they compared it to like a car leaving oil patches along the way. It's 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 projecting a different signature. It's not harmonized kind of, so it can be tracked. And for that fact, like they were kind of limping along in their journey after they had gotten that information. They Like they knew they only had a certain amount of time. And again, they were kind of uh, projecting some kind of signature that the Empire actually was able to track. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, the 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 roots. Uh, Avery was on the right track. Like the roots of this question do stretch back into Rogue One, uh, but not quite in the in the way that Avery was 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 mentioning. Uh, so, like Corey, you, you talked about like Vader Star Destroyer tracked the Tanta before. Uh, that whole thing is explained in from a certain point of view. It's I think it's the first story in that book, which is worth buying the book alone that is it's like eight pages or something and it's great it's so good bridging the gap between rogue one and a new hope and that's exactly it like the the hyperdrive of the tent to be four was leaving breadcrumbs for the empire to find so it had nothing to do with hyperspace tracking it was just that hey they went that way follow them and that's what they did um yeah because when when the Tantive Four jumps into hyperspace, they do so knowing that the hyperdrive is already, you know, I don't know if they put a percentage to it, but they knew it was on the fritz. They knew that it was not going to, it was probably not going to last, but they were in, in dire straits. So away they went off to, off to Tatooine. <clears throat> um, so yeah, it's, it wasn't so much of having them tied on the end of a string, like, like Avery had said, a, a, an astute quote that she pulled from the last Jedi, um, but this goes a, a little bit deeper, uh, because in Rogue One, if you it's it's that whole scene where K two dies and they're trying to figure out where the plans for the Death Star are in that big tower. Jin is listing off the project names, and she specifically mentions hyperspace tracking, and it's the same tech. It's it is I, Pablo mentioned this on Twitter, so it's the same technology that the First Order eventually brings to perfection that they use in the last Jedi. The empire was working on it as, as way back as rogue one. They just never 
finished it. I guess they were they were pouring too much into the Death Star, and they were they were sidetracked. But it's it, it is an old project that the First Order uh, perfected. So check that out, Avery. It's uh, you can you can go back to Rogue One. You can find the clip on YouTube where she lists off you know Pax Aurora and and eventually she finds Star- Stardust. She specifically says hyperspace tracking, and that's the thread they picked up on in the Last Jedi. So I, I like to see. I like how those uh, that that continuity is weaved. It's right there. So there you go, <clears throat> Ad- Avery, Brad. Thank you guys. It was great to hear from you, Avery, and hope to hear from you again soon. Carlos, did you want to add anything to that? No, I think it's uh, it's pretty. I mean, like you said, there's a canonical answer. Um... And I'm sure that uh, the the Empire was uh, good at, uh, okay, what systems could she be going to in that direction? Well, yeah, yeah you're right. That's, that's a good point. So that there's there's at least three ways to track someone through hyperspace, right? And one, at least at, at this current point in The Last Jedi on the Star Wars timeline, it's with this hyperspace tracking. And then if your hyperdrive is leaving some sort of breadcrumb trail for people to follow, that's that's method number two. And then the third is maybe grasping at straws. I don't know how successful it is, but calculating uh, possible destinations according to their last known trajectory, right? We saw that in in Empire. So there's at least three ways to follow people through hyperspace. One thing I love to say, too, is that, man, when Vader knows that they're landing right on top of Tatooine, he must be like, God damn it. (laughs) Like, he knows something's up. I'm sure he's like, Oh man, it's all coming for a full circle. Then again, these dark side guys are so arrogant. They they often never see defeat coming, even though it's like right on their heels. All right, guys. Again, it's a sign. Thank you so much for your question. Looking forward to next week's Bradley banter, Avery banter, whatever it is. All right, Katie's up, guys. This week, and we're going to be talking about Lando again. So Katie says, hey guys, question for this week is, what is your favorite Lando moment? Mine is him piloting the Falcon in Return of the Jedi. Loved every moment, and that iconic yeehaw from him from him is just too good. Now we will most certainly be getting some more great moments from him, from Lando in Solo. Can't wait to see them. Thanks, guys. I don't know if this is going to be unanimous, but I, I'm with Katie. That Lando escaping the Death Star through that... that Fireball is is that's the coolest moment. It's goosebumps, for sure. What about you guys? Yeah. Well, I, I can definitely pull a a Cora, a typical Cora here, and I got I, I'm gonna th- I gotta throw a few shadows because I'm on the exact same page too. Like that whole scene with him being a general and being in space and piloting the Falcon like that. Like even just the first shot coming out of hyperspace. Like how can they be jamming us? You know, like. He's the one who, that alerts the entire thing, and then it's like, Akbar's like, it's a trap, you know. Like, but Lando's the one to, that incites that. So, like, I love that he's he's so in control, and that he's a general at that point. Uh, so I didn't want to take too much. Like, I wanted to give Katie something else too. But when he I, watching Empire for the first time and knowing that he turns. Like, you're like, oh, man, he did betray us. Like, I did kind of not trust him, and he did turn. Like, oh, but then when he comes back to, like, being a good guy, like, you see him, like, beep, boop, up, like, calling, like, Lobot. 
Like you're like, man, he's doing it. He's gonna take a stand. He's gonna do the right thing. Like this guy's all right. And then again, <laughs> in Jedi too, like you know, just being in Jabba's palace, like the nod, like lowers his little jaw thing helmet. Dude, that was so cheesy. Like I don't know why anybody likes that. Uh, just to me, it's just that you know you just know that Lando's there for Han. Like it, yeah, but it, it's it, it it looks like him. Like you could see him. <laughs> oh, so obvious too. Like if anyone was actually even paying attention, like why did you just nod at her and lower your helmet like that? What's going on? <laughs> like, yeah, Carlos, what's your favorite uh, Lando moment? My favorite moment is uh, when he actually stands up to Vader and uh, and says the whole uh, that whole speech. You know, that was not a condition of our agreement, nor was giving hand to this bounty hunter. And then, pray I don't ask it further. And then it's like, this deal is getting worse all the time. It's like you actually feel bad for him because you know he has no choice. Yeah, it's it. like it's easy, to, it's easy to hate him, but he has no choice. But like... He yeah. played the best hand he could. Like that's the best thing about Lando. Even in the comic book, that five-part series, it's like he's always playing the hand that he got. And the hand that he got, he played it to the best of his ability. Like he probably had like a 10,020 chance to one, you know, to win... To come out the way they did is kind of incredible. Like, they got super lucky there. Well, it's something like Donald Glover had mentioned, right? Like, Lando is always... He's always got his plan A, but he's always he's always working on plan B and C. I think he said something to, to that effect. And then with Vader on Bespin, with the Empire there, there's there it's there's no there's no plan. Like, this is... It's just imposed on him. This is what you're going to do. And he hates that. And so it, it it is great when you see that build up towards towards Carlos's moment where he's he this guy's mouthing off to Darth Vader. Not many guys do that. Like it takes some stones to go, to go and chirp at Darth Vader that uh, this isn't the thing. This isn't the uh, the agreement we made. You know, giving haunt to this bounty hunter that wasn't part of all this. Who would say that to I, Vader? I I can just see Vader totally like turning around, pointing at him. I respect you, Calrissian. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> how, how about this though? Like, I want to give a little I shout out. out of line. Just the, Donald Glover too. Like, and that black fur coat with the lightning or whatever the hell's going on. I'm game. <laughs> you know, all this being said, some cool moments from from Billy D. Williams in there. But I, I think we we all expect. But I I really hope that we all come back in in a couple months from now. And say, here's the new coolest Lando moment. Like that to me, that seems inevitable, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think really... we, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna we're gonna be like Oh man. <laughs> we're gonna geek out. I think we're gonna geek out on Donald Glover for a while. I think so. I can't, I can't wait till he gets a standalone. <laughs> You think? Oh, well, we'll see. We'll see if we ever that ever comes to pass. All right, Katie. Thank you very much. And let's wrap it all up with Mr. Jeff Kelts, the Metal Mando, who has this to say. Hey guys, Jeff here again from sunny Fort Myers, Florida. Let's talk some memories. Let's talk about the Last Jedi. So I think you know I talked about me buying that digitally a couple of weeks ago and. I know for sure that you guys now have that in hand on DVD slash Blu-ray and are probably watching that thing over and over again like I am. 
So I want to talk to you about what have you noticed since you've been watching this thing at home, you know, being able to just pause and rewind and watch all your favorite moments and scenes over and over again. As far as seeing that in the theater for the first time, is what are your most memorable moments compared to when you saw it in the theater and now you have it at home? Has anything changed? I'm talking uh, like most memorable, uh, let's talk uh, ship, uh, weapon, character, planet, slash city, or scene. And I'm going to rattle off mine real quick here and hopefully I can get a take on yours. You might have actually mentioned these in your upcoming podcast, but uh, here it goes. So my most memorable ship um, is the Dreadnought. And that's a kind of weird choice. I think most people might pick the Supremacy, maybe, uh, I don't know, the Bomber there in the beginning of the movie. But yeah, when that thing shows up on screen, just that nose in your face, the noise that thing makes, that's an impressive ship. And uh, yeah, that's my favorite ship. So I'm going to go on to my favorite weapon. A little kind of a strange choice. Um, probably nobody else's choice, but the bombs dropping from the Resistance Bomber. This, uh, as Ryan Johnson described that, so World War II-ish, and uh, I really got that vibe, and just just an awesome moment watching those bombs drop. So yeah, my favorite uh, weapon is actually the bombs dropping from the bombers there. So we're going to go on to my favorite character, and um, this is an easy one for me, Luke Skywalker. I mean, Mark Hamill just knocked that character out of the park as far as his performance. Uh, we don't have to dive into that any further. I think we all know how great that was. And my favorite planet slash city is actually not a new one. It's actually Octo. I mean, they took this planet and just gave it so much more character in this movie as far as the scenery and the importance of just the, you know, the amazing things, like I said, of importance that went on on that planet. Just just sucked me in and uh this guy it's gonna be one of my most memorable planets in probably all of the star wars films but i mean some people might you know pick crate or some other city or planet but that's definitely my favorite and my favorite scene i know there's a lot of scenes out there you could really love but uh when i saw yoda's ears pan in from the side and across that screen and this that whole conversation with luke and just you know how important everything was in that conversation just man that just gave me the feels you know really hard there in the heart there so those are my uh favorite moments as it stands right now and uh so what are your guys moments uh has anything changed uh, and as it stands right now what's your most memorable moments from the last jedi and for this week guys bombers Keep that type formation. Fighters, protect the bombers. It's not every day we get a shot at a dreadnought. Rest in peace, Tally. This is the Metal Mando, and I am out of here, guys. Bye. Hey, guys. I got a Last Jedi most memorable topics. A little postscript here, which, uh, much to Kyle's chagrin, he knows I always do this, but I forgot to mention my favorite alien slash creature. And uh, I got to go with the... Vulptex slash Vulptice, not sure how you want to pronounce that. Uh, I'm going to be biased here because I have a cat, a female cat that looks just like one of those. So, But I definitely want to include that in you guys' comments as what is your favorite creature slash alien. So see you later, guys. Out of here. All right, guys, so we're bringing it full circle tonight. Uh, we talked about the 
The Last Jedi on Blu-ray to start the show, and we'll talk about it to end the show. Uh, does, has anything jumped out at you guys since bringing it home that maybe you didn't notice on screen the first time? Carlos, you got anything uh, anything new to share? Sure. Um, I don't want to do it because I know it's going to make some people happy. But that opening battle, uh, I just... Having, having the Resistance Bomber in my hand as a toy is, like, super cool. But seeing how completely useless those things are <laughs> in-universe... And and knowing and like Leia slaps Poe and says, uh, at the risk of like we lost our whole bombing fleet. Yeah, but can those things actually go to hyperspace? Like, uh, what what are, what are their capabilities? Where did they even come from? From the beginning of the that whole scene is, it's. I'm I'm not gonna say it eats at me uh, because I I truly enjoy the whole movie. Um, but it's like. What what good were those things? No, I I, I in agree retreating in retreating. Like what what were you gonna do with that? So I kind of I understand why they needed to sacrifice that whole fleet uh, to 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 make the the opportunities uh, you know and the story move forward. But uh, it's like, oh my god, here comes a huge bombing fleet. They're gonna bomb this ship that we've seen for seven seconds. Like, we've never heard of a Dreadnought before. There was no real fear in it. So it was, I, I think it was a little clunky. I understand it. Uh, I still love the movie. Uh, so I'm, I will not be starting a petition on change.org. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's just like, it's like everything else in Star Wars. It's like, okay, but that doesn't make sense. But okay, cool. We love it anyways, you know. Uh, for me, watching it at for me, watching it at home, uh, that was the the first thing. It definitely passed my patented couch test. Um, it didn't feel like two and a half hours. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, I loved it, and um, obviously, you know, getting to watch it at home and having the special features uh, and the, the documentaries and all that type of stuff. And uh, yeah, it's it's just it's an it's an enjoyable. Uh, an enjoyable thing, but compared to the theater, I, I think you're just able to relax more. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. The, yeah, the, that's the difference between the home versus the theater. Is just that uh, you like, I, even if I if I have to, I can record, I can rewind this right now. If my kid was acting like a jerk, I could press pause. You know, there's there's like there, there's just that comfort, of course, yeah, and, and knowing that you can watch it whenever you want at any time, and there's no real rush. Uh, to have to, you know, sit through it and enjoy it. So, I don't know. I think it's cool. Absolutely. What about you guys? Well, uh, Corey, you go ahead. Well, I want to touch firstly on the bombers, like you said. Like, that whole scene, like, that's one thing that uh, stuck out to me the last time. I've seen it once since I've owned it. And uh, it's true. Like, Poe's out there on his own. And then next thing you know, the whole fleet's out. It's like, where did they come from? It's not like Poe ordered them out there. Like, And then, like you said, kind of like Leia... Who ordered the the ships to be out there? And like you said, the, these things are kind of pieces of crap. Like they almost remind me of like the skimmers they found on crate, just at a on a space level. Like they're just slow clunkers. Like what is up with that? Like give me a Y wing. Can can those things actually like 
can can they actually jump to light speed? What were they gonna do? Okay, everybody, exactly. like, let's retreat and and leave the bombing fleet behind. Well, it's like it's like the It's like the resistance. They went back to like instead of going back to like rebellion era equipment, they went back to the war before the that era. You know, it's like it's like they even regressed even more almost from that standpoint. I mean, the, those ships, the bombers do really fall apart like paper, right? They just crumple. But well, I, that's I, another there, thing there's too. Some, there's some concept art of them in the the art of the Last Jedi, which I don't know if this is actually intentional and part of the story. But those bombers in the concept art are docked inside the Radis, so they could have launched from the Radis to okay, to attack the dreadnought, and they could have again docked with it again on the there's like a hangar for them well that, that makes most sense but then it's like, again it's like well leia if you didn't want to lose your fleet why did you send them out it's not like poe ordered them out you know what i mean like he's out there by himself and it's all like disengage well why did you just send the entire like space well, force yeah, i mean out? yeah you can always ask the question like why didn't leia just overrule and say okay well if, if poe's not going to give the order to to order them back i will and she gets on the comm and says all bomber pilots return to the radis and then that, that again that's that could have easily happened but because reasons like we need to advance the story this is all about poe's uh, arc of failure so that's not how that story plays out i definitely thought it was really cool like you said with the ww2 vibe totally i was totally digging that yeah for sure um the thing for me, and like just to t- touch on what Carlos says, it totally passed the couch test. Like I was just, I was so sucked in. The moments that worked for me in theater still work even more so today. I still have my nitpicks, but they're all like momentary shots that, if I close my eyes for three seconds, they're gone. They pass, and I can, I can deal with that. Uh, so, but one thing that did jump out at me, I, I had missed it from all four of my theatrical viewings, is. So the, the the resistance, what's left of it is kind of trundling along. They've emerged from hyperspace. They think they're scot-free. And then the, the supremacy and a bunch of Star Destroyers pop out of hyperspace. I always had the impression that they came out behind the fleet. But they popped out in front of the fleet. Like they cut them off. You're right. So like way back when, when the movie first came out, I said, well, well if you want to nitpick the movie, then you could have had... You know, first order ships behind the fleet, and then you could have called in some ships in front to to like box them in and pick them apart. But the first order did that. They brought in the supremacy, and it, they arrived from hyperspace, almost nose to nose, with the with the resistance fleet. And there's a scene where Leia, or there's a, there's Leia saying, uh, like, I think she says like, "Turn around, full retreat," or something like to that effect. And you see the shot. It's it's clear as day. I don't know how I missed this. But she swings the Radis around. And all three or four resistance ships all swing around. And I think that's when they lose uh the rebel tra- the like the rebel looking transport. But that that's exactly what happens. Like they, they turn around, do an about face and take off in the other direction. Like, did you guys notice that? This time around I did. And I, and now looking back at I do remember it, but it's more like something that just slipped over my head. Yeah, no, I I had always known that, but I didn't. Uh, it was cool. I I didn't think it was like a huge uh, 
Like it should uh, thought... be a big deal. Like it yeah, should yeah. Been, I should have I should have caught this months ago, but never did. It's okay, man. You're allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not perfect, okay? <laughs> uh, uh, okay. So... Oh, go ahead, Corey. Well, I was, just, I was gonna ask you guys, what about weapon? Uh, can the Radis be considered a weapon? I'd say that's more ship, no? <laughs> well, I mean, Holdo uses it as a weapon. Yeah, like your loophole. Anything could be used as a weapon. Yeah. I'll accept it. Luke yeah, Luke, I... uh, Luke, actually uses the force to rip off uh, an antenna off a structure to, to defend himself from the, the staff. So, in theory, anything could be used in a fight. This is true. Yeah, I, I'm not crazy about the weapons in this movie like i don't i never have liked you know things like uh, grievous bodyguards electro staffs or you know that that baton that finn uses in in tfa and again in in the uh, the last jedi I, I don't like those types of weapons i actually really hate them yeah i agree uh the, the executioner trooper i i don't like that that weapon uh, the Praetorian Guard stuff, I think I can make room for, but I, I still, I mean, it's, it's they only exist they need because they need something to repel lightsabers, right? Exactly. But I, I, uh, I don't like them. Oh, my fa- my favorite weapon was the auto cannon. I thought those things were just badass, man. Like the way they, the, the def- devastation they wrought were really uh it was quite something like in the later shots after the f- shots been fired it's a couple maybe like a minute or two later you just see the the aftermath on the planet it's pretty cataclysmic well i don't say cataclysmic but well it's, it's big definitely mushroom cloud, a, right oh it's massive like that that was a big blow with just those couple shots man oof yeah that's a good answer the auto cannon's a good answer Carlos, do you have a favorite weapon? Uh, hmm. I, honestly, I, I don't. There's, I'm not a big fan of, of like uh, blasters or. Uh, I mean, I love lightsabers and stuff, but I, I would say the my least favorite weapon is uh, the the battering ram cannon, the miniature Death Star technology. Like, I, th- I thought that, that was just another auto cannon on its own, like just dropped onto a onto the planet surface. Yeah, I think there, there were too many walkers uh, for uh, you know to be on that the surface of that planet from a fleet that just got decimated. Like, <laughs> I just uh, you know, but that's that's Star Wars, man. It's always going to be like that. It will always, like remember how we were always. Uh, going back and forth about the um, how many X wings made it to Starkiller Base and how many left. Like, <laughs> yep, it was like six went in, twelve got shot down, six came out. Beautiful, perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you know, but that's that's what it is, man. That's uh, that's their type of storytelling. So you can't really, you love it, man. You just love it. it doesn't matter. Uh, what's do we have a favorite uh, favorite ship or vehicle from this movie? I'm My favorite re- ship, and, and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say uh, rest in peace. It's uh, Black Squadron leader 
pulls X-Wing. Oh, yes. Rest in, indeed, rest in peace. That's a good, that's a deep cut. I like that. Like, what's Poe going to fly in episode nine? He's well, got time. Customize. The, the, uh, uh, Finn and, uh, and Rose know who sells the weapons and where to buy them. So, uh, I don't think it's that deep of, uh, of a cut that all they need is money. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, Corey. I like, I like the dreadnought. Um, I'm on the same page as Jeff. Like, I think it's pretty awesome, but well, yeah, but it's, I, it's so cool. It's amazing, but I don't fear that thing. I've, you know what I, I mean? De- it was there for seven, seven seconds, man. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely fear it more than I did the supremacy. Like the supremacy to me just kind of seemed like a boomerang. Like it was too Death Starish, I guess. Like too opulent. This thing actually looked like a war machine. It was much more like rigid and angular. But I'm in my ships. I I love the Mon Calamari design. Like I, in ship design, I'd have to go with the Radis just because it's ah, it just looks so like smooth and like. But yeah, the, the dreadnought. It, I don't know, the whole package there, the auto cannons and stuff, man. I think it looks, and there's more of them. So, look, if I could rewrite that part of the movie, this is what I would do. Okay, this is what I would do. They're 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 looking to um, to engage Hux's um, uh, uh, star destroyer, and the dreadnought comes out of light speed. Everybody pulls up, whoop, bam, and they they leave. So there's no battle right away to start. So they're gonna have to tell us, oh no, we have a dreadnought on our tail. We have to get out, we have to get out of here. They jump to light speed. They go where they were going. They jump out of light speed. Now we're like, oh my god, they got away from that dreadnought. Thank goodness. Boom, they got them there. So then there's then they, they kind of have no choice but to engage in a battle there. They engage in that battle. Maybe they, maybe then they take out the dreadnought, and they try to jump to light speed. But then Leia says, "Wait a sec! How did they track us?" At that point, you know what I mean? Yeah, I follow. In- instead of instead of it being like, "Hey, look at all these bombs! Look at these useless tools!" <laughs> it's it's I whatever, man. It's just you know. <laughs> Like I said, I don't care. The, the story is Ray. The story is Kylo. The story is Luke. The story is uh, Poe learning to become a leader. Um, the story is uh, Leia coming into her own uh, with the Force. Uh, you know, those those are just little, little battles, you know, little things. When you look at uh, Episode 3, that opening battle, like, how far were they from Grievous' ship? Like, Jesus, it takes them it takes them a good, like, five, ten minutes to get there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ooh, buzz droids. Like, I don't care about buzz droids. What are you talking about? Uh, so, yeah, it's whatever, man. It's just Star Wars. That's the way they do it. You know, they draw out. They draw out. They yeah, like space scooters. It's called it's fun. Space battles. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> look, look at Return of the Jedi. Same thing. It's like, get closer to those Death Stars. We won't last long against Death Star. Will last longer than we will against the Star Destroyer, uh, whatever, blah blah blah, whatever they say. It's like okay, like for how long that battle lasted, like a lot of guys were around to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Star Wars, man. We love it despite that stuff. Yeah, of course. Uh, my favorite ship 
is for some reason it's the ski speeder. I've always liked that thing. From the minute I saw it on screen in, in a teaser or a TV spot or a trailer, or whatever, I was like, man, that thing looks cool. Yeah, it's I sort agree. of like a, the crappy B wing. Uh, was it sold? Anyway, there's so there. funny. So funny was Poe's foot going through. And he's like, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're just <laughs> they're utter junk. But f- for some reason, I love those things. And considering they're on a salt planet, like they, they didn't were really, useless. They didn't really rust as as much as I would think they would have in thirty years. This is correct. It depends what kind of uh, intergalactic steel they're using. <laughs> Rustoleum. We're not going there. Please, let's Please. stop. Yeah, reasons. <laughs> science. Star Wars science reasons. M- uh, most memorable character. I'm sticking with Poe. I think he's got the broadest arc. I know he's not the central figure in this, but I think his his story kind of goes uh, over the like the widest. Uh, he's got the widest berth from just getting knocked down a few pegs to elevating to to like prime leadership. So he's my answer. Corey, what do you got? Well, it's funny you say that. Like, like, I like that cut. That's a, that's a good cut, man, because it is true what you said. And I think, you know, Ray and Finn, they kind of, in this movie, took a bit of a backseat, like, not to take away from their performances, because I think both of them in uh, the, the, in the meantime, between movies, they've both very much grown as actors. But I have such a hard time deciding between whose performance I like more between Mark Hamill's and Adam Driver's. Both of them are so just emotional. And uh, like Adam Driver just kills it, man, with his facial expressions. Like, guys got me, man. And Mark Hamill, like, he knocked it out of the park, man. Like, he really, really did. Even in, especially in the deleted scenes, it's like, oh, man. It's hard to see Luke like that, and I always kind of typecasted Mark Hamill, you know, like, yes, I like the Joker, and I watched a lot of Batman animated stuff, but never saw him too much afterward, like, here and there, like, Jane Silent Bob, like, a lot of, uh, like, kind of crappy B-movie stuff, which sucked, man, so to see him at this level, performing at that level, was, well, it was special. No doubt. So, who's your character? <laughs> I know you're trying, to, you're trying to wriggle out of it and not give an answer. Luke. I'm going to go with Luke. Got to give it to Hamill. Because Adam Driver, he's still, he's still in it. and He's got a long career ahead of himself. Fair enough. Carlos? I think my favorite character uh, from, the, from the movie, it's, a, it's really, really close between... Uh, Poe and, and Kylo Ren. I, I think honestly, I think Adam Driver Adam Driver's performance actually deserved an Oscar nomination. Uh, I know they they sent everyone in uh, for uh, for consideration, but uh, I, I just man, I was completely enthralled with his performance. It was really really good, and like just facial expressions and. And uh, the way he delivered some of his lines, it's just, it's like, wow, man. Like, you really felt it. No, he's hes incredible. He's been incredible through two films. Like, almost 
almost he might be almost the highlight of the two movies just the way he's able to bring this villain to life unforgettable performances uh most memorable planet i'm gonna go with crate it just it's just so cool looking the shots that they get there the red soil the white it begins and ends with crate for me yeah it's visually stunning it's uh it's really something special. Everybody knows my feelings about Cantobite, so. <laughs> and um, Rose doesn't like it either. You have company. Yeah. Well, Finn doesn't either at the end, actually. There you go. He comes around. Um, yeah. What are the what planets? The car at the beginning? They left it. The, the car seemed nice. Their base got bombed. Yeah. Seemed like a nice place to visit, but uh, yeah, kind of unspectacular. I'm on the same page there. I said the Metal Mando, total Acto man. I want to know so much more. We didn't really get that much, but what we did get, I'm still really happy with. Like, it just really paints broad strokes of what the Jedi were and once were, and yeah, man. I mean, it worked for me still, even though we I wanted more. It's still. It was like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> well, it's like the balance, the dark delight, the dark side blowhole. Like, you know what I mean? It's like it's all there on the same planet. It's not negating one or the other. It's not like, oh, this is the way. It's like the balance, man. Like the, the roots of the early Jedi, they really seem to do like keep things more simplistic and down to earth. I'm sure we're bound to f- learn all that stuff in in due time. All right, lastly, your most memorable creature, we can expand that to alien or or you know, uh background character. Carlos? I'm not really um I was never really a fan of the aliens in Star Wars. I always sided with the humans and um, it's like, I see them they're there and it's like, to me, it's just gimmicky. Um, the porgs, the, the porgs are, the porgs are cool. I like them. They're invasive and they look delicious. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I mean, come on, look at that rotisserie. You choose holding that thing. It's like, yeah, I could take a bite out of, bite out of that. Definitely. Oh, hell yeah. He, he, Cooked that thing to a golden perfection. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but I, I'm not a huge fan of the of the aliens. Even uh, growing up, my favorite uh, my favorite uh, alien from uh, from Episode Four is uh, the Wolfman, and they ended up covering him up. And uh, yeah, so and Yoda, but that's I mean he's the main character. It's not the same thing. Corey, who's your, what's your favorite? Well, I like the porks too, but you know, and then we also got the um, the Vulptees, or Vulptex, which were pretty cool. Um, oof. the caretakers too. After having watched uh, excerpts from the Last Jedi, like their nuanced performances, a lot of them we missed in nuanced the performances. Scenes. Come on. The way that they're able to pull off, do you see the way that they're giving 
Ray, the stink guy in the deleted scenes, like she's just like sharpening her knife or doing something with her knife and just looking at Ray, like, like that's kind of hard to pull off with styrofoam and plastic and like, like that. That's pretty much exactly what they say. Like it, it comes off well on film, and it's like, you know, this is a costume. You know, like it, it kind of worked. So I respect him in that regard. Are you suggesting that Lucasfilm dropped the ball by not uh, putting the, the, the caretakers in for an Oscar? Oh, no, no, no. Not at With all. their nuanced performance? No, I just... <laughs> I, I, I thought it was nuanced. I, I mean, I don't know if you watched the same deleted scenes that I did and the same special features, but even the, the party, like the third lesson, like the way they were... Even Ryan Johnson was kind of enamored with the way they were able to kind of dance within these costumes and the way the performance was kind of captured. But uh, if you want to take something away, like one of the characters and this guy's, from what I've seen in fandom as well, like he's kind of ran away with a lot of things. And I kind of liked it too, because right off the bat, I was like, this guy's got it going on. How come this guy's not higher? But uh, Kennedy for sure. He's not an alien. Uh, He's a species. (laughs) What? Whatever. Character. Oh, I'll say character. Okay. All right, fine. Uh, my my most memorable creature, alien. I, I'm I gotta go with slow and low, man. I'm still I still love slow and low. I want a standalone film of him. I want comics and novels. I want Joseph Gordon-Levitt to voice all of it. It would be the best Star Wars ever. Meh. Yup, that's them. That's the beach parkers. <laughs> I told them they couldn't park there. <laughs> I will never get over him. He will always be funny to me. It's the Bill and Ted of Star Wars. Oh, he's too good. He's too good. I don't know if if I, if, if I w- breached the spirit of the question there by calling him a, a creature when he's clearly a sentient being. Uh, but if I, you know, I, I, I love the Porgs. I love the Vulptuses. I love the Fathers. The Caretakers were kind of cool. I, I don't have a problem with any of those things. I'm down with it all. Are we done? Is that it? I think so. Yeah, I'm done with you guys. Metal Mando, thank you, sir. And that's it, guys. We are done with episode 120. How about that? So thank you guys so much for listening. Stay tuned this week for Journals of the Willing. We've got a lot of comics to cover there. And uh, Stephen and I should be back to bring that to the Powerful Friends later this week. And if you want to hear that, head over to patreon.com slash tumblingsaber. A couple bucks a month. And you'll get that podcast and everything else we do in a, in a brand spanking new RSS feed for you. So go check that out. Uh, otherwise, StarWarsCommonwealth.com. That is where you want to go and get your awesome Star Wars content for this week for your podcast catcher. And you'll thank me after having done so. All right, boys, where can we find you on the Twitter machine if people want to reach out to you and uh, hold you to task for some of the silly things you've said tonight? Corey, where can they find you? Well, me, you can find me at Chop Rules with a Z, baby. Beautiful. Money. Carlos. You can find me at C Candido Music on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you could uh, follow my website, carloscandidomusic.com. 
And I will be launching my Patreon campaign, Carlos Creates, uh, this Thursday, the 5th of April. So um, there's going to be four tiers to choose from and uh, tons of... uh, Tons of cool rewards, and uh, we have a couple of goals that uh, we want to hit uh, as soon as possible, so that we could upgrade and 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 make this snowball turn into an avalanche. So, everybody, look out for that coming April fifth. Awesome, awesome news! All right, I am at Tumbling Saber on the old Twitter machine. James, you can find him at uh, the Green Door Podcast on. Instagram, or sorry, not Instagram. He's on Twitter. He's on Facebook uh, with ads and May. And uh, you, of course, find them on Apple Podcasts and all those other great places. Go check them out if you're into Tolkien or have been thinking about getting into Tolkien. Well worth your time there. And that is all, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Let us know what you think of this podcast. You can join us in our Facebook group and yell at us there, or you can uh, scream at us on Twitter. It's all up to you. Uh, Don't forget, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us get some traction and get some more eyeballs on this podcast. So if you haven't left us a review yet, uh, please take one or two minutes of your day. Uh, We'd really appreciate that. So again, that's all. Thanks again for listening to episode 120, and we'll talk to you guys later. Struggle for the answers, questions frighten me. Circles getting wider, it's harder just to see. Wide open the